everyone today. Um, I feel like it's been such a great service already, so I just want to lift up everyone that's contributed. Um, May, Lewis, you guys rock today. Um, you guys sang one of my favorite songs. I was in tears. Um, yeah, Above All is one of my favorite songs. It really makes me reflect and meditate on Jesus, so thank you for that. Um, and every week that you guys serve. Also, Rodrigo, great communion. A way to bring it back to Jesus and his sacrifice. Um, today I get the opportunity to speak to you as well about Jesus, which is also exciting for me, uh, but a little terrifying, because I feel like the lesson today that God put in my heart is like a tough lesson, and um, I had to seek help and advice, and uh, Dan was there for me, Lewis was there for me, and they're like, if God's putting in your heart, you need to speak. Um, so I apologize in advance. <laughs> if you are offended, I hope that's not the case. Um, and then, do we have my slideshow? Uh, I titled it Getting Personal, uh, but before I start the lesson, if you go to the next slide, I just want to lift up Luis Rivera. Um, this is something I like to do whenever I have an opportunity to speak. I want to lift up someone because I feel that we need to do this in Shoreline and just period. Um, it is something that we should do as a church. It expresses love. Um, and I know all of you know Lewis as someone who does worship, um, but he does so much more than that for our church. Um, without him, I don't think we'd have a singles ministry. Um, he is someone that has fought and prayed and uh, given me advice, um, tons of times to make decisions, push and encourage people. He'll text random text messages to people. Sometimes people are annoyed, but for him it's love, um, and they feel loved. I know I feel loved. Personally, he serves me a ton. Um, prays with me constantly, calls me higher constantly. Um, he's someone that has really built up my faith, and I just appreciate you, brother. I love you, and I, I appreciate everything you're doing for God's kingdom. And I just wanted to lift you up. So let's, uh, yes, thank you. Um, to help us connect with the lesson, because it, it is about Jesus, I want us to close our eyes for a minute and just focus on Jesus. What comes to your mind when you think about Jesus, right? Um, what makes him great for you? Do you think about his compassion? His mercy? Maybe his love? The many miracles that he's performed? Even in your life, think about that. Not just things we read about. Miracles in your life. Maybe you think about his sacrifice, right? The picture is the cross. What kind of stories come to mind when you think about him? Is it when he was walking on water? Resurrecting the dead? Feeding people? Healing the sick? <laughs> dealing with Peter? Right? His own resurrection. Jesus is pretty awesome. You guys could open your eyes again. Um, he's pretty incredible, Right? Everything about him is awesome. He has so many qualities that it's hard to focus on just one. It's also very challenging to isolate the qualities because how do you talk about his power without mentioning his humility, his meekness? How do you talk about his love without mentioning his sacrifice? His characteristics seem to kind of um, intertwine and blend, right? Um, and today I want to share some thoughts to you about some characters that he's revealing to me. That's another thing that's exciting about Jesus. When you are in a relationship with him, he reveals more of himself to you every day. So you have this long list of things that you already admire him for, and then he shows you more. 
and it becomes more exciting and more new, more fresh. It's great. Um, one, one thing that he's revealed to me uh, recently is he's very personal, right? I, I said getting personal is a lesson. He's very personal. And that sounds weird to me even saying it up here. Like, what does that mean? That sounds like a fragment. It's an incomplete thought, right? Are you saying that he takes things personal? Are you saying that he gets personal? Are you saying that uh, personal as in belonging to is property? Uh, my response is yes. That's what I'm talking about. All those things encompass part of his character. Uh, I hope you're challenged already because that means you're a critical thinker. And that's good. You're paying attention. Um, but we'll talk about Jesus being personal. And like I said, other things will come up because it's hard to isolate his characteristics. He's great. Let's go to the first scripture, if you would turn the slide there. It's 1 Corinthians um, chapter 6, verse 19 through 20. It reads, Do you not know that your bodies are of the Holy... I'm sorry, that the bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have received from God. You are not your own. You were bought at a price. Therefore, honor God with your bodies. This is what I'm speaking about when I say there is a personal as if belonging to him. We belong to Christ if we profess Christ. If we say we're Christians, we don't have ownership over our bodies. That is God's body now. So yes, we, we, we are not our own. He owns us. Uh, it's a pretty self-explanatory scripture, which is why I like it. I like when things are simple. Um, but, but it says you were bought at a price, and that price is Jesus, right? Um, it calls us to honor God with our bodies. What does that mean? Well, in this verse, it's specifically talking about sexual immorality, right? Um, the Corinthians had a number of issues, and they're being addressed. But it's not limited to sexual immorality. Just because we're not engaging in sexual immorality does not mean we honor God with our bodies, right? Because how are your lips? What kind of words come out of your mouth? What do you say? What do you speak? Do you use it to lie? Do you use your words to build up or to destroy? How about your eyes and ears? What kind of things do you let in there, right? Uh, even your mind. What kind of thoughts do you entertain, right? Our mind is a powerful part of us that could drive us towards sin or towards Christ. The question we should all ask ourselves is, do I honor God with my body? And if your answer is yes, how? How do I honor God with my body? Let's go to the next slide. Uh, our, I'm, I'm asking him for the slide because our clicker is not working, so bear with us. First uh, Peter chapter 1, verses 18 through 19. For you know that it was not with perishable things such as silver or gold that you are redeemed from the empty way of life handed down to you from your ancestors, but with the precious blood of Christ, a lamb without blemish or defect. Kind of echoes the previous scripture that we read, right? Uh, but what I like about this one is um, it puts a value on Jesus. It calls him a perfect lamb without blemish or defect. He was perfect because we're not. And that was a sacrifice that was required for us to be forgiven of our sins. 
to even have communion like we did today with Christ. To approach God's throne in prayer because of Jesus. This is what it was required. And if you pay attention to the scripture, it says that you were not bought with a, with a price with perishable things like silver and gold. And I found this so interesting. I've never paid attention to this before, and maybe it's because I'm a banker now. So when you think of perishable things, right, um, you think of food that spoils, right? And so when someone wants to get a loan that's secured, like at a restaurant, for example... It's not a good thing for us to do business with them because their items are perishable. It means they don't hold their value long, right? You think of a car. As soon as you drive it off the lot, its value has decreased so much. It's perishable. So when the scripture describes gold and silver as perishable, it's kind of crazy to me, right? Uh, go to the next slide. Uh, can you guys see that? So that was this morning. I was looking at the price or the value of gold. It says, uh, you could see it there, right? Um, a kilo is over $45,000. That's about 2.2 pounds. 2.2 pounds of gold is 45, over $45,000. And I don't imagine that in their time, gold had less value, right? It probably had greater value. But here, Peter is describing silver and gold as perishable perishable items does that mean that they're worthless metals of course not what peter is doing is he's saying yeah these things you guys look at it with great value but it's nothing next to the blood of christ we weren't purchased with these things that will spoil we're purchased with christ's blood it's much greater. It can't be compared to anything in this world. And that's, that's the statement that Peter is saying. We were bought at a price. It's a heavy price. A very valuable price. Nothing could be compared to it. And it's interesting that we think about this, right? Because I don't know what your perspective is of yourself. Whether you're, you yourself more than you should, or maybe even lower than you should, right? But our lives, the exchange of our lives for Christ's life, it doesn't seem fair. When we describe him as the most valuable thing ever in all of creation, and he willingly gives us his life in exchange for ours, that shows you his perspective of you. He puts great value in you. And so, this is why God takes certain things personal, right? Let's go to the next scripture. Hebrews chapter 10, verses 26 through 31. It's a lot up there, so if you have your Bibles having a hard time, please pull it out. Or if you're jotting notes, please read it at some other time as well. Um, it reads, if we deliberately keep on sinning after we have received the knowledge of the truth... No sacrifice for our sins is left, but only the fearful expectation of judgment and of raging fire that will consume the enemies of God. Anyone who rejected the law of Moses died without mercy on the testimony of two or three witnesses. How much more severely do you think someone deserves to be punished who has trampled the Son of God underfoot, who has treated as an unholy thing 
the blood of the covenant that sanctified them. And who has insulted the spirit of grace. For we know him who said, it is mine to avenge, I will repay. And again, the Lord will judge his people. It is a dreadful thing to fall into the hands of the living God. Terrifying. This is a scary scripture. God takes it personal when we call ourselves Christians and don't live like Jesus did. I mean, it it describes us stepping all over Jesus. That's what he's saying. You're stepping all over me. You're treating my sacrifice as unholy, as worthless. You're abusing grace and disrespecting my spirit. And then it, it reminds us, God will judge us. There will come a time when we stand before God, all of us. Whether we want it or not, it doesn't really matter. We're going to be there. And he will judge us based on our actions, our thoughts, our words. He will judge our hearts. Verse 26 and 27, verses 26 and 27, sets up our expectations as well, right? If we're living our lives calling ourselves Christians and not really living like Christians, he says, don't, don't deceive yourselves. Expect raging fire that will consume the enemies of God. He says, you're with me or not. You're an enemy if you're not following me. And... Um, I think that's something we need to ask ourselves, right? Because no one could tell you where you're at. No one, I mean, we could, if you've been around, I've been around almost 10 years as a disciple, as practicing my faith. I could see certain things in people that I'm like, okay, you're struggling. You're not doing too well. Okay. But I don't really know. You do. You know where you're at. Does God call you friend or does he call you enemy? Don't deceive yourselves. What, what good is it to deceive Anyone, right? We don't deceive God in the end. And this is a hard teaching. Um, I, want, I want to separate falling short, striving to be a Christian, and falling short from pretending to be a Christian right. and doing what you want to do. Right? I don't want everyone to hear the thing, I'm going to hell. That's not the case. There should be some fear, sure. But it's, it's more about... Um, Concern about where I'm, where I'm at. It's about godly sorrow, not worldly sorrow, right? Godly sorrow leads to repentance. If there are things in our hearts that we need to assess and look at, amen, let's do that. Don't deceive yourself is what this scripture is. But again, there's a big difference between fighting and falling short because we're imperfect. We're never going to be perfect and pretending to be Christians. God shows grace and mercy when we fall short. It's a different thing when we pretend. How's everyone doing so far? I want to check in because I know these things are hard teachings. Amen. Um, And these scriptures are challenging. Uh, We could look at it as challenging as if God's wrath, right? Because it's easy to see that. But do you see God's love in there? Do you see the exchange, the unfair exchange of his perfect life for ours? The great value that he holds and he willingly submits it just to love us. His eagerness to be close to us. 
That's really what we should focus on. You know, these lessons about fire and brimstone, it, it falls short because it scares people and that's not the goal. The goal is, hey, this is a reality. You have options. What are you going to do? Right? And by the way, I'm not separating myself uh, from the rest of the congregation. I know when people use the pronoun you and they're speaking, they kind of create the separation. Um, That's not at all what I'm doing. When I was going through this lesson, I was convicted. Um, I just like to use the word you because I want you to internalize it and make it personal. Um, Sometimes when we use the pronoun we or us, people tend to minimize the severity of what is being said. And I, and I want to make sure that everyone connects with this. Make this personal. Don't think about your sister, your brother, your husband, your wife. Think about you, because that's what this is about. This is about you and Jesus. Um, but Jesus wants to get personal, right? He is the, his love is the greatest act of love in all creation, what he did for us. It's, there's nothing that could even be compared, right? I love that song because it connects me to that. Jesus is so valuable, and my sin put him on a cross. And the reason why is because he wants to get personal with you and me. Let's look at, uh, well, no. I think a good example of this is um, the Apostle Paul. He illustrates God being personal with us. Jesus being personal with us. Um, If you know anything about Paul... Uh, In my opinion, he was the most effective missionary ever. I don't know if anyone was better or more efficient. He started churches all over Asia and Europe. He was just traveling everywhere. He's credited for writing 13 of 27 books of the New Testament. Just a big chunk, right? Um, And then you read his hardships, right? He endured being beaten, stoned, flogging, shipwreck, um, rejection from the church, hunger, persecution. He didn't stop. He lived in the wilderness that sometimes didn't have anywhere to go, just in the wild, wild beasts. He was in prison, and he continued and persevered because of his love for Christ. He he writes, I want to get to know Christ more intimately. I want to know him. I want to participate in his death and his burial and resurrection. He loved Jesus. It was very personal, his relationship with God. But before that, he had to have an encounter with Jesus. It's very personal. Before he was Paul, he was, you know, Saul of Tarsus. He was persecuting Christians. He was murdering Christians. He was a very zealous man, and he felt like he had love for God, which is why he was trying to destroy Christianity. He thought it was something satanic or evil. Um, And he was just going out and persecuting people. And that's where we'll pick up in the book of Acts, uh, chapter 9, verses 1 through 6. So this is, again... Uh, Paul, but his name is Saul right now. Meanwhile, Saul was still breathing out murderous threats against the Lord's disciples. He went to the high priest and asked them for letters to the synagogues in Damascus so that, he, so that if he found any there who belonged to the way, that's talking about believers, whether men or women, he might take them as prisoners to Jerusalem. As he neared Damascus to his journey, suddenly a light from heaven flashed around him. He fell to the ground and heard a voice say to him, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? Who are you, Lord? Saul asked. I am Jesus, whom you persecute, whom you are persecuting, he replied. Now get up and go into the city, and you will be told what you must do. 
And then Saul goes blind for three days. It was just him and God. He didn't even eat or drink anything. He was just in prayer while he was blind. That's a lot of time with God, right? Jesus got very personal with Paul. Um, and, and Jesus sends Ananias, go heal him, right? But Ananias is like, what are you talking about? This guy's crazy. He is someone that is murdering people who believe in you. You're just going to send me to him? Like, are you, what are you doing? This is a terrifying thing to do for Ananias, right? He knew Saul's reputation. It was more like a legend at this point. Might have been amplified, right? Um, He was terrified. But we'll pick up there. Go to the next slide. Um, Acts 9, verses 15 through 16. But the Lord said to Ananias, Go, this is my chosen instrument to proclaim my name to the Gentiles and their kings and to the people of Israel. I will show him how much he must suffer for my name. There is a lot to dissect in these scriptures. So much. It's a tiny passage, but there's so much going on. Right? Um, the first thing I notice is how Jesus takes it personal when people attack his, his Christians, his followers, his believers. Right? Jesus shows up to this man that has a lot of power, a lot of authority. Christians are terrified. They're hiding and scattering everywhere. And Jesus says, stop. This, this is as far as you go, Saul. Right? And he says, why are you persecuting me? He didn't make it about, why are you persecuting my followers? Why are you persecuting my church? He took it personal. Why do you persecute me? That says a lot about his heart for us. He cares about us that deeply that he's fighting for us. You know, if Jesus' death on the cross, if that's all he gave us, that's way more than enough, way more than we deserve already. But he continues to keep, continues to give. He's protecting us here. Pretty powerful, right? He shows his supremacy over everything. I don't think there was anyone that could stop Paul aside from Jesus, right? And he checks him. He says, okay, now go to the city and I'll tell you what to do. (laughs) That's Jesus' supremacy. No Christian could say that to Paul. But Jesus did. And then he expresses love, mercy, and compassion. Because he didn't destroy Paul, right? He allowed him to repent. He allows him to leave his life as Saul, a murderous man who would go down in history as maybe think of, I don't know, Hitler. There's comparisons there of just evil men that just murdered people out of ignorance and hate. This was going to be his legacy. It kind of already was. But Jesus lets him repent. He gets a new name and a new life. It wasn't easy for Paul if you read his life. It took a lot of convincing, a lot of work. And then that last verse is pretty scary, right? I must show him how much he must suffer for my name. So there was definitely consequences. But Jesus gives him purpose. He gives him a mission. He gives him compassion. He sends a Christian to love up on him. The very people he was hunting are loving him. Imagine what that does to his heart. 
and the scales on his eyes, right? He makes them blind for three days. How powerful is that? Like, you think you have vision, but you don't. Let me show you. It's showing him in a way that he can understand. Jesus met Paul, or Saul, of Tarsus at this time, where he was at. This is no different than what he does for you and me. You know, if you're in this room, you have probably had encounters with Jesus like this. I don't know if you've noticed, but I'm pretty sure you have. Paul is not a special case. Jesus wants to get personal with you. And, and I don't want people to think, oh yeah, scriptures, we see this all the time. Like, No, I, I had one of these experiences very recently, um, just a few months ago, actually, and, and I'll share it with you. Um, but before I do, I want to give you context. So this is kind of theme out of place in the lesson, but I promise you it'll make sense. Um, so if you would go to the next slide. This is one of my favorite scriptures. Uh, Matthew six twenty six. Right, it reads, Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Okay, so that's one piece of information that you'll need to understand the story. Go to the next slide. I like wild birds because I like that scripture. Right? So when I see birds flying, not cage birds, because then that's us feeding them, but when I see them flying and living their bird lives and doing their bird things, it encourages me because it reminds me Jesus is in control. Jesus loves them. How much more valuable are you? You know, I'm in control. I'm taking care of you. And so I love to see them. Go to the next slide. I hope no one's lost yet. Do you guys recognize him? That's Bob Marley. Not encouraging you to listen to his spiritual advice. <laughs> Makes good music. But he has a song. It's called Three Little Birds. If you go to the next slide, these are the lyrics to, uh, that stick out. It says, Three little birds pitched by my doorstep, singing sweet songs of melodies pure and true, saying, This is my message to you. Don't worry about a thing, because every little thing's going to be all right. And I can't help but think, of Matthew 6, 26, when I hear this scripture. I mean, this song, not scripture. (laughs) This is a song. Um, But it connects me to God every time because I think, wow, God's in control. And these are three things about me that all of you did not know before today, or maybe some of you did, but they impact me spiritually every time. And you know, um, that's the information you need. So now we could get into the story. A few months ago, I was going through a lot, okay? Uh, I felt very disconnected from God. I felt very restless, very hopeless. There were situations and circumstances in my life that I wanted to go away, and God was like, no. There are things that I desire and long for, and God's like, that's not going to happen for you right now. You know, there was feelings of disappointment and discontent. Can anyone relate to these things, right? Life is tough. We go through these things. And, and when you're not connected with God, it makes it even tougher. Um, and I'd been going through this for months. And I was wrestling. And I'm like, God, I'm like trying to connect with you. I'm getting up early. I'm having my quiet times. I'm spending time in prayer. Like, where are you? 
I came to church one day, and uh, Nancy actually um, approached me, and she was like, bro, how you doing? I was like, I'm okay. And she's like, really? It looks like the glow of joy in your eyes is disappearing. Those are the words she used. I was like, wow. I was like, okay, Nancy, I don't want to be here. <laughs> I told her, I really don't, I don't even want to be here. And she said, well, amen, you're here. And then she followed up with me about things that I shared with her and got advice about. Um, and she said, oh, is that bothering you? And I was like, you know, that's part of it, but there's so much going on that that's just a tiny part. And then she said, Alex, the storm is passing over. I was encouraged. And then uh, Thursday, we went to play basketball, and Rodrigo takes me aside. <laughs> and he goes, my wife said this to you? And she wanted to apologize because she said the storm is passing over, and she doesn't know if the storm is just beginning for you. you know? <laughs> and she just wanted to apologize. She felt so guilty. Why did I tell him these things? And I was like, I didn't even think about that. I was just, I was just encouraged that she came up to me and was concerned. Um, and, and, and then I was even more encouraged because she followed up. Right? She, wouldn't, she didn't go play basketball, but she sent her husband, hey, I said this to you, make sure you talk to him. Um, and that encouraged me. But the struggle is still there. And I had a really bad day. This one in particular was awful. I got up early. I'm like, I'm going to connect with God today. So I got up pretty early. I went to, uh, I was going to drive to the beach and have a good quiet time before work. So as I'm driving, I get a flat tire. I just asked God, literally finished praying, encourage me today. And he encouraged me with a flat tire. And that, that's what it was. So now I'm in my suit, um, trying to change my, my tire, getting all dirty. I drove to Costco to get my new tires. And then it was a very expensive month for me. I was like, okay, I'll put it on my credit card. That's not a problem. Costco doesn't accept MasterCard. That's all I had. And they had already started working on my car. So now I'm anxious, don't know what to do. I reached out to Zach, um, bothered him at work. I was like, they said it's going to take like an hour for this anyways. I get paid Friday. It's been an expensive month. I could get you no problem. And he goes, yeah, I'll take my lunch and go down there. And he bought me tires, paid him back. But he bailed me out. God encouraging me, right? I don't see it. Not paying attention. Still angry, still upset. Still griping. What are you doing, God? Why? why? This, is, this is my day. You know, then I'm late to work. I had to go home, change shirts, iron another shirt, you know, because it was filthy and had a not-so-great day at work. I'm like, amen, that was my day. This is what I pray for encouragement. This is what happens. Um, so I went to pray with Louis. And Louis is my prayer partner. Um, we pray all the time. I don't know if you've ever prayed with Louis. Louis could pray. Um, and I'm no different. I could pray. <laughs> so we get together and we'll pray forever. Um, and we were spending time, we were driving around, and uh, we came to the beach and we stopped there. And Louis was the one praying. And out of the blue, Louis just starts thanking God for me in his life. And it was very specific. He was praying about how much value I have to our ministry and to his life. And he was talking about victories that we've had in the singles ministry. He made it really personal. Here we go, God cutting, right? God cutting. And it starts cutting and cutting and cutting in. And then I see these birds just flying. They're just flying around. And they were doing these weird formations. I've never seen them. And then they started diving and fishing. 
It was super cool. Right? Can you guys guess what the song that started playing on our playlist next came? <laughs> right? So Three Little Birds comes on the radio, and I am just broken. I was just broken. When I started praying, I was just weeping. Even now, it's, it's still an emotional thing for me to share this with you because it was a powerful moment for me. Right? It may not be that powerful to you, like whatever you're hearing, Bob Marley. And why are you listening to Bob Marley when you're praying? Like, you know, um, but for me, it connected me with God. It reminded me, Alex, you're going through things, but it's okay. I love you. You are valuable to me. Look at the victories. Stop paying attention to the bad. Look at what I'm doing. You know, and God has blessed our ministry. Our singles ministry is growing. Someone got baptized. People are, you know, reading their Bible more. You hear their prayer lives changing. People are spending time together. We have victories. And it's so easy to overlook it when we're not spending time with Christ. You know, and I know that you've had moments like this. I hope you realize that you've had moments like this. It took several for God to get my attention. He was screaming, right? He was screaming at me for me to get it. You know, and the lesson that I'm focusing on today, it's obviously very internal, right? We're talking about your relationship with Christ. But don't lose sight of the mission. You might be the only light in someone's life, right? You have Ananias in the story that we shared with Paul. He listened to God. He didn't want to. He was terrified. But he listened, and he took care of Paul. We don't know the conversation that he had with him, but he baptized him. He, there was a lot of edification that went on there, right? Paul, wow, different, different person. Maybe you have a reputation. Maybe you feel a certain way. It doesn't matter. There's repentance. There's place for you to do things. God has plans for you, just like Paul. There are people that you need to reach out to. Only you can do it, you know? And even in my story, Zach, Louis, Nancy, they listen to God. <laughs> the story would have been very different if they're like, nah, I don't want to check in with him right now. It would lose a lot of value for me, you know? So don't lose sight of the vision. Because just as much as God wants these personal relationships with you, he wants them with people in the world. That's why we're here. How are you responding to Jesus wanting to be personal with you? And I want to close with some prayer. Um, I was only given 35 minutes, so I hope I didn't go over. Um, Thank you. But uh, let's all stand up and close with prayer. And you could go arm in arm. like. Father, I want to thank you for just the love that you have for us, Lord. For the great value that Jesus is and just the compassion and mercy the unfair exchange of your life for ours, God. You're so powerful and amazing, and we really don't deserve you or anything that you do for us, God. 
Thank you for loving us that much, God. Thank you for being personal and catering things to us individually and specifically. However weird we may be or quirky or whatever, you're there and you communicate in ways that we can understand you because you want a relationship with us so deeply, God. I pray that we can repent if we need to, that we can be inspired and spurred on by your word to be better and to do more, Lord, and not to lose sight of the mission, which is to bring people to you, God, because the world is lost. Your scripture says that they are living in their empty way of life that was handed down from their ancestors. They don't know a better way of life, but you do. And you've given us the opportunity to serve, God. And I pray, God, that we do that because of who you are and how you compel us with your love. In your name, amen. Amen. You're dismissed. Enjoy the fellowship.